You, yeah, you can all be seated. Good morning, church. I've got, yes, I have got a sword with me. Just in case anyone is steps out of line. Hallelujah. Thank you, Gerald. Um, I was going to preach something this morning. I had something prepared. But when I woke up this morning, um, I just felt that I got something prophetic just to share. So I just kind of jotted a few things down on my iPad while I was getting dressed. Um, which is not that easy. Um, but I just feel God wants to speak to someone today. So... Um, let, let, let's go with it and see what happens. Um, 2 Samuel 23. Not going to speak uh, that long, I don't think, because I, I want to dive back into worship. But 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 8, says this, These are the names of David's mighty men. And everyone say Mighty. Anyone feel mighty this morning? Two people, great, on the front row as well. <laughs> um, I believe God wants to raise up a mighty church. Anyone? For mighty men, mighty women. Um, of course, if you know the story of David, you will know that these mighty men were not always mighty men. In fact, when they came to David, most of them were a pretty raggedy bunch of losers basically but they came to David in the stronghold and as they got around David he made them into something that they were not in the natural and it's not by might it's not by power but it's by the spirit of the Lord God is the one who makes us mighty um, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power so in the natural, you may not feel particularly mighty this morning. In the natural, you may feel weak. You may, may feel scared. You may feel burdened. But the Spirit of God can turn your weakness into strength. The Spirit of God, the, 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 the Son of David, our great King, King Jesus, He can take the weakest, most feeble person in the natural and turn them into a mighty warrior in His hands. God wants to fill you with boldness. He wants to fill you with strength. He wants to fill you with the power of His Spirit this morning. Can you say amen? Then it gives a list of the names of David's mighty men. It begins by talking about a guy called Josheb Bashabeth. I don't even know. Atakmanite. He was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Never underestimate the power of one encounter. 
Never underestimate what God can do in one encounter. One encounter. And this man saw a, a mighty victory. One encounter and the enemy was defeated. One encounter and his legacy was secured. You know, the Bible is full of people who had one encounter with the king and everything changed. I think of a blind man called Bartimaeus who was sat by the side of the road in Jericho begging when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he began to shout at the top of his voice, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he was kind of ruining everyone's quiet time with Jesus. So everyone told him to be quiet. But the Bible says he shouted even louder. He was desperate for that one encounter. He knew that Jesus might never pass that way again. But he knew that one encounter with Jesus could change everything for his life. And you know the story. Jesus stopped. And Bartimaeus came to him and Jesus touched him. And his eyes were opened. And the Bible says that he followed Jesus along the road. Jesus was leaving Jericho and Bartimaeus went with him. He left his beggar's cloak. He left the side of the road where he'd been begging day in, day out. One encounter with Jesus changed everything. And we could go on and on. We think of Saul of Tarsus, the persecutor of the church. And yet on the road to Damascus had an encounter with Jesus. And his life changed. His name changed. His purpose changed. And the world changed as we know it. Because of one encounter. I can think of many people that I've come across. One encounter with Jesus changed everything. Some of you have heard me tell the story before that I was um, in, a, in a meeting with Steve Finity in Argentina a number of years ago now. And we were praying for people and we didn't have a translator. So we were just laying hands on anybody, anything, no idea what they want to pray for. We were just praying for them. And it, we had a great time and then, then went, went on to the next place. And two years later, I was in the, that same church and a young man called Yogi got up to testify. He said that all his life he struggled with schizophrenia. And um, he was so ill that he couldn't even remember his own name. He, he would get so violent that his family would tie him to the bed in order to restrain him. Nobody could do anything. And he said in desperation two years ago, my family brought me to this church. And he said that there were some guys from England and they came and laid hands on me. And he said, that moment, something happened in my life. And he said, here I am two years later, healed, whole, free, loving Jesus. And he was part of the leadership school of that church. They were raising him up to, to, to come, go into the ministry. One touch, one word, one encounter with Jesus and everything changed. Friends, never underestimate the power of an encounter with God. It says next to him in verse 9, was Eleazar, son of Dodai the Ahite. As one of the three mighty men, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Pasdamim for battle. Then the men of Israel retreated 
need my sword now. But he stood his ground and he struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The law brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. The Israelites were in a, a, a battle with the Philistines. And did you notice it said that they faced the enemy and they taunted them. They mocked them. They made fun of them. But when the enemy moved towards them, they all ran away. You see, they could talk a good talk. But in the day of battle, they ran. You know, it's so easy as Christians, isn't it, to sing all the right songs and to use all the right words and to pray all the right prayers. But in the day of battle, in the day of opposition, in the day when the enemy comes in like a flood, who knows, that's the, the testing time. How many times in our lives have we thought that we were so strong and we, we, we thought our faith was so strong, but suddenly when the enemy has come in, that's when our heart has failed us. That is when our faith has failed us. But it says that this man, Eleazar, he grabbed hold of the sword. And while everybody ran, he stood and he fought. And he kept fighting and kept fighting and kept fighting. I mean, if you were to see the, the movie of this moment, it would be 18 certificate because of the, the violence and the blood and the gore. But I can just picture the scene as one after the other, the enemy came to this man and one after the other, he struck them down till the Bible says his hand became frozen to the sword. There was something in this man that said this, no matter what the enemy throws at me, I am not letting go of the sword. Take the sword of the Spirit, Ephesians says, which is the Word of God. And I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, but God says, do not let go of the sword. No matter how powerful the waves of the enemy seem to be against you, do not let go. Do not let go of the sword. <laughs> Hashtag awkward. The most powerful thing in the universe is the word of God. He spoke into the darkness and created the light. He sustains everything with his powerful word. When the enemy came up against Jesus and, and Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, and if Jesus was tempted and tested, how much more will, can we expect temptation and tests? But three times Jesus said, it is written. It is written. It is written. He did not let go of the sword. And it says that the enemy left him. First Timothy tells us that we take the prophetic words and the promises that God has spoken and we use them to wage war. 
And I don't know who needs to remind the enemy. I don't know who needs to remind their self today. But I believe that God is calling some people to rise up with the sword of the Spirit and say, this is what God has said. This is what God has said over our church. This is what God has said over my family. This is what God has said over my health. This is what God has said over my marriage. This is what God has said over my children. This is what God has said over my ministry. And no matter what enemy comes at me, I am not letting go of the sword. Psalm 149 says, May the praises of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands. See, the Bible tells us that when we worship, God turns our worship into warfare. God inhabits the praises of his people. You see, the name Eleazar, it means God is our helper. You see, when you get hold of the sword, you do not stand alone. In the natural, Eleazar looked like he was alone, but God was his helper. And when you take hold of the sword and you begin to worship and you begin to praise, God comes and stands with you. And the deliverer is, is manifest in your praise. The victor is manifest in your praise. And the last one says, Next to him was Shammah, son of Agi the Hararite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about a great victory. He took a stand. When everybody else ran, when everybody else fleed, he took a stand and God brought about a, vi a great victory. I just really sense an urgency in my spirit this morning that we are in a battle. Obviously, we know that we're, we're battling against this COVID-19 pandemic. But I also believe right now there is a spiritual battle raging in our nation, fiercer than many, many of us can even remember. There are some very dark forces at work right now in our land. I believe even, even as a church right now, we're in a battle. The church of Jesus will never fail. It will always stand. But I believe God is wanting to break us into something. But right now, we're in a real, real battle at this moment in time. I believe there are families here right now. There are individuals here right now. And you are right in the midst of a battle. It's like the enemy's throwing everything he can at you. And it's so easy to run away. It's so easy to, 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 to just give up or to, to lose our courage or to lose our faith or just to think, my God, what is happening? But this man took a stand. And it's amazing how many times that word stand just appears in the New Testament. The New Testament tells us to stand in prayer. 
to stand firm, to stand in grace, to stand in faith, to stand firm in the Holy Spirit, to stand on the gospel, to stand firm and hold fast to teaching, to be patient and to stand firm. 2 Corinthians says, it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. And Ephesians 6, of course, tells us, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions. This is a time to pray like never before. And I too was woke up with that same scripture that Jared did this morning of Moses with his hands raised and the battle going on in the valley. But as long as Moses had his hands raised in prayer, Israel was winning. And they gave God a new covenant name that day, Jehovah Nissi, which is the Lord our banner. When the, the Bible tells us that the, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. It's time to pray and it's time to stand. This man defended a lentil field. I'd have probably let the enemy have the lentil field because I don't really like lentils. <laughs> but that's how the enemy comes in, isn't it? Bit by bit. But I believe that as he, looked, as he was stood in that field, there was something that said, this is my harvest. And I'm not letting the enemy get one lentil. And someone needs to rise up in the power of God today and say, this is my marriage. These are my children. This is my household. This is my health. This is my purpose. This is the word that God has spoken. We are not letting the enemy steal our harvest. As we look right now, the promises that God has spoken of the church or the region, we need some shamas who will stand up and say, this is our field. This is our territory. This is our land. We are claiming this for the kingdom. In Jesus' name.